chapter 11, as we continue our walk through the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll continue that over the next few weeks uh, in Pastor Charlie's absence, and then when he returns, we're going to take a break from Matthew, and he will lead us in a series called Fruitfulness on the Front Line, and I'll do a parallel but different service uh, about being witnesses for the Lord Jesus, the issue of mission and evangelism in the morning services, in order to equip us as a church to that end. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25 to verse 30. I'm reading from New International Version. At that time, Jesus said, <clears throat> I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and reveal them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Well, Marie has prayed that God would speak to us uh, tonight through his word, through this pretty significant passage. It's a key, and there are certainly some very deep spiritual truths in it for us. But before I jump in, I'd also like to pray. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the truths that he has shared from this passage. I pray that your Holy Spirit might minister to us that we might see the truth, understand the truth and embrace the truth and that our lives might indeed be yoked to you, that we might continue to learn from you and that we might please and honour you. So Lord, show us, teach us, open our eyes we pray in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Um, Jeffrey, welcome back. If you would like to put up that first slide, I don't... Ooh. That's what I call it tonight. You're invited, so come. This is the Lord Jesus speaking, and it's a, a great... One of the greatest invitations in the Scriptures. Just to review very quickly, the last couple of weeks, certainly, Pastor Charlie has been speaking to you about in chapter 11, the beginning of a turning point in Jesus' ministry where the Jewish people are beginning to turn away from him. And Jesus spoke a, a parable about children who wanted to play games. We wanted to play weddings and you didn't want to play weddings and we wanted to play funerals and you didn't want to play funerals. didn't matter what we did, John the Baptist and Jesus. Whatever we decided to do, even if it was the opposite, we couldn't please you. You just, you weren't interested in following us or listening to the truth. And then last week, Jesus gave a very strong um, warning against three cities in northern Galilee, particularly Capernaum, um, who had been receiving his teaching and healing miraculous ministries, but had rejected it. And it's in the midst of that rejection from the Jewish people that Jesus, at the beginning of this passage, surprisingly, begins with prayer. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Though they are hard-hearted, though they're rejecting me, there's something good that's happening. Jesus, I don't think, is giving thanks because they are rejecting it. 
I think rather he's giving thanks to God in this verse, 25 and 26, where he says, Lord, you've hidden these things from the spiritually proud and arrogant. That's your plan. That's what you always do and have always done. But you've revealed it to little children, to babes, to the disenfranchised, if you like. Not to the spiritual elite, but to those who are just hungry, who know that they're sinful, they know they need God's forgiveness and they've been humbled by it, not by the great achievers, but by the great needy. The Lord Jesus is prayerful and thankful to God, his heavenly Father, because some people got it. They understood the message and he was thrilled with it. Even though, as we said, Charlie would have said last week, even though he was... um, warning and concerned about those who faced judgment so the little people knew that they needed god and so they are open to him and to come to him but the wise and learned the religious elite specialist those who were self-appointed authorities on religious matters they believed that god was so impressed with them and that god needed them that they didn't bother coming to him but the lord jesus Uh, in this passage clearly says no that's to those who repent who humble themselves who come not giving god anything but come and receiving from him that which he offers i came across this quote let me share it with you it's a lengthy quote but this is the father's sovereign plan in this verse verse 25 we are served notice in case we feel especially sophisticated spiritually wise or intellectually and theologically astute that we have the inside track, then this verse is saying to us, look out. Um, It is exactly those with such self-consciousness who are denied revelation. They don't get it. But those who feel their sin, who feel sorry for it, and then come asking for help, they find the Lord Jesus' arms extended and welcome. But for those who feel their spiritual brilliance and are sorry for those so far beneath them, when they come out of their own self-importance, they will find Jesus' back turned. He's not interested in the spiritual arrogant. He's interested in the humble. And God has done that consistently all the way through the Scriptures. The proud, he will abase, but the, those who are humbled, he will exalt and receive we don't have to come and show off and be anything with him we just need to come as we are contains a wonderful truth and verse 27 in particular you could spend a long time thinking about this so we're skating over it a little bit tonight but this is a profound verse this is deep and the implications of it uh, could be quite offensive in our society but this is the lord jesus speaking And he says, the Father knows the Son, like exclusively, uniquely, and the Son knows the Father, uniquely, completely, exclusively. No one else knows the Father like Jesus does. Absolutely everything has been given into the hands of Jesus, he tells us in this verse. The key to divine revelation and knowing who God is, is in Jesus. It's the only way that we can come to know him. Do you want to know God? Do you want to find God? Then you need to do it in Jesus. You need to come to him, study him, learn about him, because 
He is unique. This knowledge is nowhere else. We can only come to know God through the person of Jesus. He's the only one with the answers. Jesus is the exclusive mediator between God and man. Come to me. I will reveal the Father to you, Jesus is saying. This can certainly be offensive to many modern ears because, well, but it's the church's message that's been passed on to us and if we're to remain faithful to it, to that revelation given to us by Jesus in this verse, then all we can do is say there is no other way to God. All other ways don't lead you to God. The only way to God is through Jesus. Does this mean that only Christians really know God the Father? It sounds arrogant, doesn't it? But the implication is, yes, this is completely true. So we have to be careful about not being offensive or being arrogant, but nonetheless standing for the truth. There is no other way. Jesus said that very clearly, John's Gospel, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, many of us know this truth. And it's an incredible privilege that we have in order to know it. Because many, many, many people don't know it. They're under the false impression that there are many different ways to God and that God rewards and accepts if you're sincere. And it's not true. There is no other way to God except through Jesus. How we say that truth is crucial. Any hint of smugness or intentional insult against other religions or other people or other ways, I think is highly inappropriate and is to be avoided. We are not to go around declaring our religion is, your religion rather, is inferior. We are superior. Our Messiah is better than all of your religious prophets or whatever. No, what we are to do is certainly to honour Christ and be true to his message and his word without dishonouring others, not deliberately shaming them, presenting truth, but as humbly and as with respect as much as we can. And bearing in mind there will probably never be a completely inoffensive witness to the exclusiveness of Jesus. The world just finds it so arrogant and repulsive, but it's true. So all we can do is share it and declare it humbly and let God do his work who hides it from the spiritually superior and the arrogant but who reveals it to babes, to those who are humble, who are prepared to receive truth as God presents it to us. In the Old Testament, if this is true, if no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, us knowing Jesus, then what about people who have never heard about him? perennial question God is God and he has a way of sorting all this stuff out our job is to present the truth as best we can and as clearly as we can and as lovingly as we can and God is God he can have his Job's in the Old Testament Job was not a member of his people not a Jewish person he was from the East he can have his Naaman's who came out of a pagan world but through providence and circumstances, God orchestrated meeting with him. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 29, verse 29, is a verse you should memorise. It's a verse you should know. Underline it in your Bibles. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that have been revealed belong to us and to our children. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. God has his secrets. 
There are things, there are mysteries to the divine being that we don't tap into. We can't. All we can do is accept truth as he reveals it to us through the person of Jesus. God can do as he pleases. So let's leave him to work out his secrets and how people will come to know him and let us be faithful to the task of presenting the message that is given to us. We preach Christ. And you would be aware, I'm sure, of stories today, particularly in the Middle East amongst Muslim people, whom God seems to be visiting with lots of dreams and dreams about Jesus or a person who appears to them and they assume is Jesus and then that leads them to finding a Christian and they hear the gospel. God has all his ways to save the people. But in the midst of this, Jesus giving prayer, thank you God that you're at work in the world and though some reject it, the humble receive it. This is the only way the humble can receive it, it's through me. That's what Jesus is saying. So now he goes on to say this incredible invitation, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a wonderful promise. There's a call, come. There's a condition. You've got to be weary and burdened. I wonder what he means by that. And then there is a promise, the consequence of it, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Not go to the priest, but come to me to the fully, fully authorised representation representative of God. In Jesus, God gets a face. You want to know what God is like? Study the life of Jesus. John chapter 14, exactly what he says. I've been with you for three or four years and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are the same. We are exactly alike. Distinct, but the same. The condition is all who are weary and burdened or who are troubled and who are labouring. For those who are, and there's no more details given about that, so if that's you, then you qualify. If the going is tough and you're overwhelmed with life, come to him. I think particularly it's in a religious context. If you're weary and burdened about trying to get right with God, trying to keep all the rules and regulations and it's just wearing you out. Stop doing that and come to me, the Lord Jesus is saying. If you're fatigued, exhausted, weighed down by burdens, wherever the burdens come from, from religion or from self or from trying to please the world or whatever or Satan or sin or whatever is overwhelming you, whatever is burdening you, come to the Lord Jesus. Jesus' kingdom, my kingdom, is a hospital for the broken and the burdened the invalids if you're a religious person or you find yourself here tonight listening at home or here in the building if you find that trying to be religious has become a grind it's become that struggle for you if you feel inadequate and a failure well that's a great experience really to have because it opens you up to the possibility of trying the complete solution the Lord Jesus the Lord Jesus gives a promise of refreshment as well as the equipment to carry future heavy burdens and duties. Notice he says here, and I will give you rest. In New York City, apparently, there are two statues down one particular street. On one side of the street, there is a, a, a statue of Atlas, you know, holding the world on his shoulders and kneeling down like this, weighed down by the weight of the world so to speak. 
Across the street on the other side, there is a statue of Jesus and he's holding out his hands and in one of his hands, he has the globe, the globe of the world. Which way do you want to live is the point. You can live trying to carry all the burdens by yourself or you can come to Jesus where he holds you and all of the issues and the whole world in the palm of his hand. Which way do you want to live? The Lord Jesus promises us rest. By rest, he doesn't mean sleep. Because God rests, but he doesn't sleep. Nor does it mean leisure, because the wicked can rest. In, uh, there is no rest for the wicked, but they can certainly enjoy leisure, according to the book of Proverbs. Now, rest is, remember the story in Genesis, where God, through purposeful creativity, creates the whole world, the whole universe, and at the end of it, he, what? Rests. A rest, in this sense, then, is a purpose fulfilled, a project completed so in coming to the lord jesus you will find a purpose fulfilled salvation forgiveness satisfaction peace and joy in him only come to me the lord jesus says as important as go to church is and important as read your bible is it's all about the person of the lord jesus come to me and I will give you something, rest. In verse 29, he goes on to say something that I just want to draw your attention to. In verse 28, I will give you rest. In verse 29, at the end of it, you will find rest. There is the gift of rest in verse 28, which is the salvation rest in him. But the rest in verse 29, which we will come to in a moment, is about the ongoing experience of submission and obedience to him of being yoked. Two different sorts of rest. How do you find rest for your souls? By coming to Jesus. Augustine used to say very famously, and he's quoted, um, God, you have made us for yourself, um, and we do not rest until we rest in you. You have made us for yourself, and we are restless until we find our rest in you. I came across this illustration. I want to share it with you tonight. It's a little bit involved, but we'll see how we go. Um, I want you to imagine that your life uh, is made up of all different sorts of departments or compartments, and uh, that's the entire you. So you have a mind, you have an imagination, you have will, you have a conscience, you have a heart, you have memory, you have a body and a spirit and so on. All of those different aspects to us make us up. And so I wanted to <clears throat> use that to try and drive home this point of when we come to the Lord Jesus, we experience this wonderful thing called rest and the freedom of forgiveness that comes from knowing him and only that. Before we come to Jesus, our mind can be anxious, nervous, with lots of questions and with perhaps increasing fears um, and dangers, particularly in this COVID season. Our imaginations can be frustrated. We have lots of ideas, but none of them are satisfying for us. Our will is frustrated because we know what we want to do. We know the good that we want to do, but we don't do it. Um, and we feel that we can't do it. Our conscience, we're aware of so many wrongs that were out of step, out of order. There are so many issues that we have to face and clean up and it's beyond us. Our heart is either heavy or broken or wounded or weeping, our memory filled with regrets. We 
all have things that we wish never happened, wish that we never said it, wish that we never did it, and we can't change it, we are powerless. And as a, imagine all of those different aspects of your personality sitting around a table, and that's the board of your control centre, if you like, and there is an empty chair, or there's a chair at the head of it, but you're in the chair, you're the one leading your life. What the Lord Jesus is asking you to do is get out of the chair and allow him to sit as chairman of the board. Come to him for all those weary and burdened by all of these precious interventions of life and experience calm and rest and peace because he's in control and he brings all of the different dimensions of our life into harmony. Imagine the Lord Jesus walking into the boardroom of your soul, so to speak, and he says to each member of the board something like this, looks you in the eye and he says, mind, come to me. And let me teach you, let me guide you into all truth and to help you to think correctly and clearly. Will, come to me and let's get yoked together to do my will. It's the best way to live and for you to accept and to adopt the attitude, not my will be done but your will be done and to work into, walk in submission to him. To the imagination, come to me and embrace the new dream it's bigger than your work or your family or your pleasures. And learn to live for the glory of God, the very reason that you were made for. And imagine, I have truth and experiences for you that are beyond your imagination. Come to me. Memory, you come to me. The past is past. It's not a prison, but it can be a launching pad for the future. God wants to do a new work in you, to forgive you, to cleanse you, to redeem you, and to offer you a solution to the pain that you remember. Conscience, you come to me, I'll cleanse you, forgive you, and you'll be at rest. And then aligned with God's will. Heart, I have something to show you and to fill you with, my love for you. Receive my love, reflect on my love, and share my love with others. If the whole soul comes to Christ, Every dimension of our being comes to him and is in submission to him. It's like the board says, okay, we have a motion before us. Do we come to Jesus or don't we? Let's vote. And all members on the board vote and the vote is carried unanimously. Everybody is in agreement. Then you experience rest, bringing every dimension of your life into submission to him. That's the beginning. But Jesus goes on to say... Take my yoke upon you, come to me and in process receive rest but then take my yoke upon you. What's a yoke? A yoke is a steering device, it's what binds one animal to another, often an older, stronger, experienced animal who knows what it's doing to a younger, perhaps more energised or whatever but younger um, and untrained, untaught animal. And the yoking together means that they will be supporting one another as well as being trained in this process. The Lord Jesus is saying, let me control your life. Take my yoke upon you. Not my mattress, not my vacation, but there's a new way to do life. We do it together. To, we bear responsibilities with him. In every aspect of our life, we can invite his assistance and direction and lead. Let him lead you and teach you. 
In John chapter 2, there are three verses I want to give you. They're all in verse, they are all verse 5 in different chapters. So it's high fives from Jesus. In John chapter 2 and verse 5, it's Mary talking at the wedding in Canaan. She goes to the servants and she says to them, whatever he says to you, do it. It's a great verse. And that's what it means to be yoked to the Lord Jesus. Whatever he says to you, do it. And if you do so, then you will find, you will experience peace. Peace in your souls, peace deep down. We're no longer independent or alone, but we're linked and united, yoked to him. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. That's something we do. That's us submitting to him, submitting to his teaching and to his direction and to his will for our life. It can be costly and it's to be daily to take up our cross each day, deny ourselves, follow him. But they go together. And then in the process of taking the yoke upon us, he says, learn from me. Learn, not just about him, but from him. Let him be your teacher. Um, Enroll in his class. Allow him to lead you into truth. He won't answer all of your questions, but he will reveal the Father to you and he'll take you on a journey, which is the best journey you could go on. Let Jesus teach you through his word, through his teaching. Let him speak to you through it. Lord, what it is you want to say to me. He will be our personal teacher, our tutor, our coach. It's a wonderful invitation. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, on the Mount of Transfiguration, a cloud comes across and the Heavenly Father says, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Mary says, do what he says. The Father says, listen to him. Learn from him. And a yoke is a walking instrument. Jesus links himself to us and so he walks with us through all of life's situations and circumstances Wherever we find ourselves, he is journeying with us and we with him. We're no longer alone. We don't have to be alone. And this one is Luke 5, verse 5, my last one. That's where Jesus gets into the boat of Simon Peter and pushes a little bit out. And then Jesus says, let's go out fishing and drop the nets. And Peter says, no, 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 we've done that all night. There's no fish out there. We didn't catch anything. But Lord, if you say so, we will. It's that point. Even though you may differ, you may have a disagreement with what Jesus is asking you to do, and sometimes it'll be strange. Nonetheless, submit. Lord, if that's what you want me to do, then we're going to do it. And as Peter found out, there was an abundant harvest that came in. The Lord Jesus then says of himself that he is, and he's describing himself, I am gentle and humble in heart. I think this is the only time in the scriptures where the Lord Jesus talks about his own heart. He's contrasting himself with rabbis who were very strict. They could be very harsh. They were very focused, perfectionist, very demanding. The Lord Jesus says that he is gentle and lonely, patient with slow students, thoughtful, gentle, relational, not beating us up, but teaching us so that we can learn, gentle and humble in heart, and we find rest as we are obedient and fully submissive to him. True rest comes by being yoked to Jesus. The only way to know God is through Jesus. True rest is found 
in being yoked to Jesus. And the Lord Jesus says right at the end, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Literally, he means my yoke fits well. It's unique. God has made a yoke for you. You get to decide whether you will yoke yourself to Jesus or not, continue to carry your own burdens. But this one was made for you to live this way. And the burden Jesus gives us, he does give us a burden. He does give us responsibilities. He does give us a role to play. But it's light compared to the, the way of the, the Jewish rabbis who imposed all these laws and restrictions and demands upon people. It was a burden and it was wearying. The Lord Jesus gives something appropriate, something we can handle. It fits. Plus, he assists us in it. We're not alone. He's yoked to us. So, question. Are you carrying the wrong load? Do you need to come to Jesus? Do you need to be yoked to him? Is there some area of your life that you need to bring to him and let him have his way? Augustine said, as I said before, there is a restlessness of soul that only God can satisfy. We have two options. Like Atlas, carrying the world, carrying the burden, you can work harder to please God. You can go your own way and do your own thing, like the rich young ruler, like Apostle Paul did, like many others have done. You could focus upon doing, which won't be satisfying and won't be peace-inducing and won't be meaningful for you. Or you can come to Jesus, you can bow your knees, you can submit to him, invite him to forgive you, to be the Lord of your life, yoke yourself to him, receive what he has to offer and walk in obedience to him. Listen to him, do what he says and even when he asks you to do strange stuff, do what he says and your life will be encapsulated by not do but by what he has done for you, to gift you and lead you. I think that'll do. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, our wonderful Saviour and Lord, the one who invites us simply to come to him, to know him, to yoke ourselves and to learn from him. Um, and in the process of doing that, to live life the way that you designed it. To bring honour and glory to yourself, a deep meaning and peace and satisfaction to ourselves. Lord, have your way in each of our lives, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you bow? Please stand as we sing Jesus, you're my King.